Hi, and welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here today again with my wife, Natasha Mason. <laughs> she was waiting on me to say her name to introduce her. Um, so, oh, the music went off kind of fast. So, if, you, uh, if you've listened to this podcast before, you kind of know a little bit about who we are. Um, husband and wife team of two. We actually have a team of seven. Um <laughs> Husband, wife of two. We have our own <laughs> basketball team. But um, anyway, so we do a podcast. If this is your first podcast listening to us, I uh, just want to welcome you to the show. If it is a show, uh, you get to listen to two ordinary people who probably don't have a lot of education um, when it comes to the scriptures. Uh, I, I preface that with no degrees, but um, a lifetime of learning that. Well, we have uh, a- large desire yeah yeah uh there's a i think there's definitely to me that's more important in a lot of ways than having the education i've often said it before i would much rather in a lot of cases not always but i would much rather spend time with a um a poor old hillbilly guy who loves the lord and has the holy spirit than sometimes with a guy who has a doctorate from a prestigious university um because those things don't translate into a relationship with god uh, doesn't matter. I think that's uh, boy, I'm going on side rail real quick, but I think that's where uh, you know, the world gets a little bit confused. Um, the world looks at knowledge, and it's based on do you have a piece of paper? Do you have qualifications? Do you have the uh, the degree to go with your um, your thinking? Uh, you know, because if you can prove you're educated, then it must mean you're a really smart person, right? I you're mean, next level. Right. So I think when you, uh, the church has a tendency, we have a tendency to do that as well. We tend to look at people who are uh, well-educated and we tend to think that these people are going to have a deeper relationship with God because they got a degree from some major university. Maybe in some cases they do. I don't know. Um, but I typically want, you know, most people that I know, are not um, most churchgoers are not theologically educated. They're that's why they go to church. They have a pastor who teaches them because they didn't. They're, they're working jobs. You know, people have to work every day. So that's a little bit about who we are. That's kind of what this show is. It's not. Uh, we're not coming at you from the uh, high side of education. We're coming at you from the Word of God and what God is doing in our lives and what he has done for us. So if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I hope you stick around. hope you'll listen to some of the other previous podcasts. Um, we tend to go at uh, our belief structure from a um, Hebraic viewpoint, um, which means we try to look at things from the, from the Scripture, from the uh, perspective of a Jewish person, like somebody. Uh, the Bible is written for the Jews. It was written by all Jews. Uh, all the writers were Jewish. Um, and so there's there's some ideas and, and uh, things in the Bible that um, typically they would understand some idioms and things that they would understand a little bit more than I think the Gentiles would. Um, so we look at it from a couple of different perspectives. You got the Old Testament, Hebrew, New Testament, Greek. So we, we look a little bit like that. Um, outside of that, we just get into just everyday general conversation about what's going on in our lives, what we've seen, um, kind of things we see in the scripture that uh, we've experienced that we, me and her, like to talk about. We like to talk about it together on the podcast because it, it involves other people, gets more people involved, hopefully. Um, this podcast has been heard around the world. Um, I, I shared that with her last week. We used a service called Podbean, and it gives you information and data from um, the countries that listen. Um, we've got a lot in uh, Canada who are listening to the show. 
We've got some in Africa. I think we've had some in Australia. I mean, all over the world, there's different people who are listening to the show. So um, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I know our accents are probably very unusual. Um, Maybe that's why they're listening. We are from the great state of North Carolina in the United States of America. And so we might have a bit of a uh, twang, as they would say, to our voice. Uh, we don't typically think of ourselves as uh, deep South Southerners. There's a lot of people who have more Southern accents than we do. Uh, but we do use the words ain't and y'all. We'll say that. So you might hear that from time to time. Um, what have we been doing? I think the last podcast that I posted was from uh, we went on a trip to the mountains. Um, it was probably back in March. And uh, we did a couple of episodes we recorded there, but they didn't turn out very well. Uh, just traveling with all the equipment didn't, it didn't, it wasn't quite the same. So, uh, the quality was a little bit, uh, less than what we normally do. So I wasn't really comfortable about putting those up. So I didn't post all of those. I posted one, but, uh, we have been talking about getting back to podcasting after about a three month hiatus here. We seem to go off for a while and come back. Uh, hopefully this time we're going to try and get a couple uh, in consecutive order, maybe in the next couple of weeks, keep, keep recording, keep talking about new subjects. Um, generally one of the subjects we're discussing currently, one of the subjects, I don't know. What, what do you want to talk about? Give me something. I'm gonna <clears> let you <throat> pick it this time. Cause we always talk about something. Okay. So just give me a second. I'm going to look on my face. Okay. She's, she's, because... <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go ahead. God, you want me to talk and then you don't <laughs> let me talk. Go ahead. So your brother, <clears throat> he lives in Wales. He made a post. Let me see if I can find it. It was some verses out of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Eight. He posted 28 through 30, so I'm just going to read those. Okay. <clears throat> Furthermore, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called in accordance with his purpose. Because those whom he knew in advance, he also determined in advance, would be conformed to the pattern of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he thus determined in advance, he also called, and those whom he called, he also caused to be considered righteous. And those whom he caused to be considered righteous, he also glorified. Okay. So I read that um, Saturday morning when I got up. Right. <clears throat> and I, I asked you, I think specifically, was what does it mean when he says he... Uh, determined? Determined in advance who would be conformed to the pattern of his son. So, uh, that's a loaded question. It's a very good passage of scripture. Um, if you were able to hear that, uh, it was really good. I would suggest you read all of the chapter of Romans 8. When she asked me this question, we went back and I, I got my Bible. and Actually, I got my Bible app on my phone. And I went through and read all of Romans 8 from chapter 1 down to, I want to say, it's, I don't know, verse 30-something. I can't remember the last verse, what number it was. Um, but it's a very good chapter. Um, it is often uh, the chapter that people who consider themselves to be what is called predestination hang their hat on. Um, in this uh, version of the verses that he posted, he said determined. Uh, whatever translation that is, they use the word determined, that but God determined. When you looked in the King James, it actually says the word predetermined. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it said predestined. I'll have to look here. I believe it says predestined unto salvation. 
Uh, but anyway, so it comes from the idea and the Calvinist out there, and this goes into a whole nother discussion, but the Calvinist out there get into the predestination and um, predetermined. Uh, what do these things mean? Um, I have a friend of mine. We have, we both used to be on his uh, Facebook page and he was a staunch Calvinist and he was very much so that God um, chooses people that God saves whom he will and God picks and chooses and that God has always known who was going to be saved. Therefore, God uh, picked and chose uh, specific people and other groups of people God did not choose, so they would not be saved because they um, they weren't predestined. They weren't picked, right? So, <clears throat> yes. Okay, so for example, this is King James Version of Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he foreordained, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Okay, so it says foreordained. So they were basically ordained before the foundation of the world. So basically he knew them before the world was created, and they were ordained by God. These are going to be the people that I'm going to choose. Uh, these are the people who are going to, let's say they're the people who are going to be saved. He knows, he foreordained them. He knows who's going to be saved. Um, so the question I think that brings up that we had and the question that you had is what does that actually mean for the believer? Because does that mean since God knows who's going to be saved, uh, does that mean that we have a responsibility to share the gospel? I told you, I told her about a preacher we knew one time. I won't say his name, but. Um, I still know who he is. I still know where he preaches. Uh, but he was so vested in the uh, predestination, the foreordained, the, the predetermined, that God already knew and he already saved these people. They're going to be saved no matter what they do. They can't do anything about it. That he didn't want to go out and witness. He didn't see the point in going and witnessing to other people. He said, if God is going to save people, he's going to save them and bring them to my local church, my local congregation. So his church did no witnessing ministry and as far as I know, I don't, I don't know. I hadn't been there in man, probably 20 years. Um, but if they're still, it's the same pastor, it's probably still the same mentality that, um, people are saved God knows who's going to be saved and everybody else is just hang it up. You're done. Um, and that's different. That's tough. Cause as a, you know, Jesus said, go into the whole world and preach the gospel. I mean, that was the, that was the commission. The great commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, to every living creature. That's what the Bible says, which is really interesting. Cause I think we've talked about this before that the gospel is not only supposed to be preached to other people, but the Bible says, Jesus said, preach it to every living creature. We're supposed to tell nature and everything in the world about the gospel and what God has done. Um, I don't, not that I know that they would understand it, but, but that is the, uh, the message that we're supposed to take out and preach. Now, if only certain people are going to be saved because God has predetermined it, what would be the point of preaching the gospel? God's going to save them anyway, right? Maybe you can go on that line of thinking. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going down the predestination and there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to Calvinism. There's a lot more to the ideas of, uh, and a lot more scripture they use for, um, trying to say that people are pre, but you know, I, I stand by that, uh, all people are predestined to salvation. doesn't mean they're all going to be saved. It means salvation is supposed to go to everyone. It's supposed to be preached to the whole world. Whosoever. Right. Uh, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that whosoever, it doesn't say that the, 
um, the the three point five million people who live through history. It doesn't it doesn't name a group of people or a specific type of person. It doesn't say the bald headed guys with blue eyes. It doesn't it doesn't get into that. Um, the reason it doesn't get into that is even if God has and God does know, God knows every person who is going to be saved. He knew it from the before the world was made. He knew it. Even though he has that knowledge, we don't. We don't have any knowledge of who is going to be saved. That's why it's our job to preach the gospel to everyone on the earth um, so that God's will is done. Now, if God decided that he wanted to save one person and he didn't want to save somebody else, that's his, that's his right. He's a sovereign and holy God. He can make that choice any day that he wants to. And I have no right to say that that choice is wrong. And I think that's... Um, that's tough for people to swallow because they want to look at God and they want to look at him through the lens of humanity. That if I were to save people, I would save everyone regardless. But God in his righteousness, if he's chosen to save some and not save others, that's a tough one. I mean, that's a tough one for people to swallow because it's, um, it's not what you always hear. It's not the gospel that you hear. But me, I tend to believe that the, just like the scripture says that whosoever will may come. You know, John three sixteen. you got 17, 18, and 19, I think 20. Those verses that precede it are very, um, they say more about God's salvation than actually verse 16 does. We use verse 16 a lot, as in, you know, it's the it's the backbone foundation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, that, and for a lot of us when we're kids, we learn that because that's the fun foundation of what we want to teach our children is that whosoever will come to him will have eternal life, that everlasting life that never ends and never ceases. And we also teach that it's a whosoever, that anyone who wants to accept this. Um, we talked about free will the other day. Does Is it an illusion of free will? If God already knows who's going to be saved, is it an illusion on our part that we have free will? I think you had some questions about that on here sitting looking at me like, what? <clears throat> no, I remember. Okay. Well, you think you have free will and you can choose to do, because people don't like the thought of not having a choice. Right. What do you mean? God already knows. Right. What do you mean? And what do you mean I don't I get do to choose? I can do whatever I want to do. Right. So, do you have a choice? And this is what, the way I explained to her was, um, yeah, I, I know that if my kid puts their hand on the stove while it's on, it's going to burn them. I know that. It's that's that's science, right? It's if it's a hot element and it's on the stove and you put your hand on there, you get burned. That is how it works. So if I tell my child, "Don't put your hand on the stove, you're going to get burned," does that mean they don't have a free choice or free will to go ahead and do that anyway? No. They can still put their hand on the stove even though I know the outcome. It's not a guess. I know it's going to burn them, right? Um, we, I, we said something about, I told her, I said, if you put a million dollars on the floor in one spot and you put a hundred dollar bill on the other side and you told a person they could have either one of them, which one are they going to choose? Almost uh, 10 out of 10 times, the person is going to take the million dollars almost absolutely 100% of the time. And just because I know that does not mean that they don't have free will. They still have the option of choosing between the hundred dollars and the million dollars, but because we know the nature of a person they're going to choose the million dollars. I mean, there's probably going to be one person in a bajillion who gets confused and takes the wrong one, right? But the majority of people are going to take the larger sum of money. And so I think when it looks, when we look at salvation, it's the same way. 
even though God knows who is going to be saved and who is not, the option and the opportunity is still presented to you to accept it. He knows your outcome. He knows what you're going to decide. But you still have, and this is the, the, the part of Calvinism. They don't, a lot of them don't believe that you make choices, that you don't choose God. God chooses you. You don't come to him. He draws you in, which the scripture says that God draws you. Jesus said that. No man comes to me except the Father draws him. Right? So that's the Holy Spirit. I really think that's conviction. I think the Holy Spirit falls on a person. It convicts them of their sins, and then they realize, I need a Savior. Right? So that's how God draws. I think people get confused. They want to say that um, you only come to God because God pulls you toward himself. And I think God drops the Holy Spirit on you. You get convicted of your sins, and you have no other choice but to run to God because you realize that I am undone and I'm a sinner. I need that. So you run to that. So yes, in effect, God is drawing you to himself, but he's using conviction to do it. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not, it's not the idea of the scenario where you, I think a lot of people want to take you out of the situation, out of the scenario. I, I, we don't do anything to earn our salvation. We don't do anything to justify ourselves. We don't do anything to maintain our salvations. In the whole salvation process, I am removed. But in the repentance phase, I'm not. Because he says you have to confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. So that means I have to do something. I have to do something. I have to be responsible for something. If I didn't have to do something, that would not have been added to the scriptures. He would have just said, um, when God draws you in, he's going to seal you with his Holy Spirit and you're saved. There would be nothing there about you confessing or you repenting or you opening your mouth and making a verbal statement. There would have been nothing in there about being baptized. Baptism is a visible symbol to other people that you have decided to give your life to Christ, that you're dead, buried, and you're resurrected in Christ Jesus. So to me, um, when it comes to predestination and predetermined and foreordained, um, yes, God knows who is saved and who is not. He's always going to know that from all of all of history and humanity. I don't think that's ever going to change. God's God's always going to know. Nobody's going to fake him out. It's not going to be like, ah, I fooled you. I almost got saved, right? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to fake God out. But at the same time, we as humans don't know. That's why we have to tell everyone on the planet. And so for us, it's really not a matter of um, – it shouldn't even matter – the, that whole idea of predestined, predetermined, foreordained, none of that should matter because we should have the desire that every person alive knows Jesus Christ. That is our mission and that is our goal is to take it to every single person to find. Jesus came, he ca said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's our job is to go out and find those lost people, to seek and to lead those people to salvation so that they're no longer the lost. So um, it's a, I think Romans 8 is a very strong passage. It covers a lot beyond the verses that he was able to post there. Um, and, I, you know, again, he maybe has a different opinion about it. I'm sure he probably does. We all have it. And this is the great thing about Scripture, right? So um, we talked about this. Uh, I posted, I think, on Facebook. Um, got a, another friend of mine who posts things. He's a Calvinist. And I asked the question, how come we don't call ourselves Paulians, right? Because Paul, if you go in the in the scripture, Paul got upset because there were some people who were saying that he was they were baptized by Paul or I was baptized by John. And Paul said, I didn't baptize any of you. He said, you know, the only thing I really want to know among you, and the only thing he said, the only thing I wish I knew about you was that Christ saved, he said, save Christ crucified. He only thing he wanted everybody to know 
was Jesus Christ had been crucified for their sins. That was it. Paul didn't want people to to raise Paul up. He didn't want people saying, I'm a follower of Paul. He didn't want any of that. He wanted he pointed completely to the cross. And so um, my friend who was a Calvinist had made a Calvinist joke, and I asked this, cool, why, why, why? Why do we do that? We're, we're Lutherans. We're Wesleyans. We're Calvinists. We're Methodists. We're... Um, I mean, you can look at all the denominations in the world today, and the church is so fractured because we're we're not following after Christ as much as we are following after another man's opinions of Christ, because that's what it really is. Lutherans are a branch off of Catholicism and Catholics because Martin Luther posted his 95 thesis and said, I believe in grace, you know, faith Salvation by grace through faith. Right. Oh, my brain got hung up there. But anyway, so that branched off. And so people started saying, hey, well, I'm a Lutheran because I believe the same thing Luther believes. And then, you know, you got these other Wesleyans and um, a bunch of other people. This is why people call themselves Darwinist is because they believe what Darwin said. It's a theology. Exactly. So you're following, you're following the man, this guy's opinion of what the scripture says. You're following this man's opinion of what he believed about Christ. And so my argument to that, to the guy on Facebook was, um, then why aren't we calling ourselves Paulians? Because honestly, most of what we all believe supposedly goes back to the new Testament, which was primarily written by Paul. And we're following the beliefs of Paul who believed in Christ. And the problem there is, is Paul said, don't do that. Paul said, do not do that. Do not call yourself uh, a follower of Paul or a follower of John or a follower of James or follower of anybody. He said, the only thing I wish that you knew and the only thing uh, I want you to be known among you is Christ crucified. So in the, at the base end of it, um, we should be believers. Jesus prayed one time to the Father. He said, uh, may they be one in me as I am in you. Because I think Jesus knew, I think he knew in his mind that this is what Christianity or our belief structure was going to be so fractured down the road to where the body of Christ is not unified. We don't have a a unified body. I'm not saying, well, it sounds like I want to go down the universalist path, but that's different. Universalism wants to accept everybody's ways of getting to God. They don't say there's only one way, one truth, one life. You have to be born again. You must be washed in the blood. That is the factual stance of the scripture. Anyone who believes in that factual stance is in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a Mormon, a Methodist, a Pentecostal. It doesn't make a difference. You're a universalist. I don't care what you are. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life, he's it. There's no other way. And you believe that you must be born again through him through the shed blood of Christ on the cross. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Those are God's children. Those people who believe in that factual evidence are God's children. Um, it's just later on when we come and we're like, well, you know, our group wants to wear blue shirts and you want to wear white shirts. Let's let's split this church in half, right? So that's where all that stuff comes from. So um, back to that, there's, you know, the reason I said anything about it was because of the Calvinism that I was seeing and, and it was posted. And then I know you notice he had posted those verses on Facebook. So it's an interesting read. Get into Romans chapter eight. If you don't know anything about Calvinism, John Calvin, very good um, study there. If you want to go look up in history and I mean, even Martin Luther, there's some really, some of the great early church fathers that came out of England had to really put up with the church of England and the Catholic church at the same time. And the crooked kings. Um, some of the kings, you know, I think that's how the Church of England got started, is the king broke away from the Catholic Church because he wanted to be divorced, and the Catholic Church said you couldn't be, so he started his own church. So, um, I believe that was Henry VIII. Yeah, it could have been. He had it seemed to have a few wives there. But anyway, so those guys, you know, they really they went through the Dark Ages, some really dark periods in 
um, what we consider to be the church age. Um, so it's really interesting. Go back in there. If you, if you have any comments or any ideas or thoughts about this podcast, uh, kind of what we've discussed here, you can leave some on our Facebook page. We are on Facebook. Are we anywhere else? I don't even know if we're anywhere else anymore. I think we're still. We've got this streams on YouTube, too. If you want to find it there and listen to the YouTube video, you can listen to it there. The Abnormal Christian. The Abnormal Christian. Um, in case you're wondering, the Abnormal Christian are people who are Christians. Uh, if you look at the modern society and the world we live in today, real quick explanation of the title. Um, I think Christianity is going down a path that is not biblical. I won't say the majority. I will say as a corporation, the corporate Christian church is falling into a lot of heresy in a lot of ways and headed down a path of uh, mysticism, um, just some really weird stuff getting ready to go on, already going on. Um, but there's still those devoted few people out there who are, you know, who are on fire for the Lord. Um, we look at abnormal Christians and we call ourselves that in this podcast because we want to be a little bit above that. We want to, we want to be able to take Christianity, not just the Sunday service and the Wednesday, but we want to go out into the world 24 seven, 365. It's Christianity lived out loud. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, it really is abnormal from what you see in the mainstream today. Um, it is the aversion to sin that we call sin what it is. Sin is sin. And there's nothing. It's not like a, uh, one of the large pastors in Charlotte near where we live, he calls, he doesn't use the word sin in his sermons. He says hiccups, bumps in the road, little mess ups. He won't say sin in his sermons because it's an offensive word. And people go, Ooh, he said sin. That's that. Nobody wants to hear that. People don't want to be told they're sinners. They want to be told they, you, you have little hiccups every now and then. And you got it, your little hiccups. You can get right with God. So this show, an abnormal Christian is to me is somebody who's really above that. And they're saying, you know what? I'm sticking to the word of God. If the word of God calls it sin, that's what it is. If lying is a sin, that's what it is. It's nothing else. It's not a little, it's not gray. It's not black or white. It's a sin. So um, the abnormal Christian, we really want to know more about the Lord. We want to get a little deeper in his word. Um, again, you can check us out on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube. Um, share this podcast with your friends. And we do appreciate you listening. Uh, hopefully, we'll have many more episodes to come from Brad Mason and Natasha Mason. Uh, we will talk to you later. Bye.